podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. A happy birthday balloon is floating at the front of Adelaide Oval on day one. It's the ground's 130th test birthday. But the balloon wasn't for that. It was there for the birthday that Phil Hughes would never have. It floated above a spontaneous fan tribute to the man who had just passed away. Underneath it was a Christmas tree, radios, beer, sunglasses, illustrations, headbands, flowers, a toy cow, and cricket gear. So much cricket gear. Bats with rosary beads, tear-stained balls, kids' bats, signed gloves, well-used bats, pads with stories, illustrated bats, just so many bats, all put out. There was also team hats from clubs all around Australia there. One from Orange, another one from the Bowen Barracudas and the Brothers Cricket Club. There was also one from Merlinston Hadfield Cricket Club, probably one of the hardest cricket teams in Melbourne. It was a club famous for men and boys who would go out to bat without gloves on. Their home ground seemed more frightening than the cemetery next door. And one of them had donated his hat to this. Even the hard men of Australian cricket are crying. Then there was a helmet. And it's hard not to think that this should be on someone's head instead of sitting in this tribute. On the peak of it is a photo of Phil Hughes. The condolence book is already full. It says things like, baton forever. We love you, mate. Hope you're smashing them in heaven. It has far too many RIPs written in kids' handwriting. A fan walks past and takes a quick look and he says, it's too morbid. Hughes' promotional photo smiles back at him from the wall. The sort of photo that all professional athletes have to take has been turned into a shrine. A memorial to a man who played cricket and was killed by cricket. Phil Hughes wasn't the first player to die in first-class cricket. Players had died of natural causes, not to mention many club cricketers around the world who have died in almost every way imaginable playing the game. Former Indian test player Raman Lamba died when he was struck fielding in close. But there was something about Hughes and the way that cricket was now consumed globally that meant that everyone remembered Hughes' play. Anyone could go online and talk about it. Everyone could, if they really wanted to, find the video clip of Hughes being struck. Our game had killed someone, and it felt like no one in our sport could really handle it. The game has been beaten, abused, choked, and cheated by men for years. But it had always remained, in its core, very pure, beautiful, of itself. And now it had taken a pure and beautiful young man away from the world. Cricket was an important thing in so many people's lives. Even while it had grown into a billion-dollar business, it had been commodified, trademarked, politicians had gotten involved. It had been taken further and further away from where it began right at the beginning, which was just a bunch of kids bowling a ball and then trying to hit it. That was the part of the game that Phil Hughes liked. He wasn't in it to be a millionaire. He wasn't trying to build a brand. He just loved being out in the middle and scoring runs. And then one day, Phil Hughes played his hook shot too early. And he went into a coma. And not long after that, he passed away. And the cricket world suddenly realised that for all the fighting and the bickering and everything else, that this was a billion-person community. And now it was in mourning, remembering that little guy with the homespun technique. Welcome to Double Century, a podcast on the history of cricket. 
This season is about the Adelaide test after the death of Phil Hughes. This episode covers fans putting their bats out and the first bounces after that fateful hit. One fan, a man named Paul Taylor, had been so moved by Phil Hughes' death that he had put out his bat and he took a photo of it and then urged a bunch of Australian media organisations to do the same. Soon it felt like everyone in cricket was doing it. Millions of people around the world saw pictures and took their own and then shared them as well. All these fans just took cricket bats, put them outside their house, their work, their car, in honour of a man almost none of them had ever met. It was an incredible viral moment. Huge in Australia, but also the world over. People stopped while driving just to cry at the tributes. Billy Bragg put out his guitar. Google Australia put a bat leaning up on their logo. Viv Richards put out his bat. Families put them out. Clubs, factory, everyone. Bats were bought by people just to be placed outside their house. Months after Phil Hughes had passed, I would be lost in the Victorian countryside looking for a wedding. There were no houses around. No one I could ask for a direction. But on the corner of a fence, there was a cricket bat. So I got out of the car, ran through the grass that probably had snakes in it, and had a look at the bat. And it just said, R.I.P. Phil. And it was clear that it was going to be there until the wood rots. When Hughes passed, Australia were due to start a series against India. New Zealand and Pakistan were halfway through a test match. That test was paused and the series was moved back. Cricket just needed time to heal. When he was out in the middle, Phil Hughes was all about batting. It was his raison d'etre. And when his partner was faltering or losing concentration, no matter the time of day, the position of the game, he would say, come on, let's dig in and get through to tea. Cricket had spent its entire history overcoming the very worst of humanity. Now it had to overcome a tragedy that it created. The game had to do what Phil Hughes had always said. It had to dig in and get through to tea. Some of the same teammates and friends that rushed to Phil Hughes' side, who were then at his funeral, were now playing in a test match in Adelaide that had almost been turned into a week for him. December 3, 2014, he's laid to rest. Michael Clark gives his eulogy, and he quotes his favourite line, dig in and get to tea. December 9, 2014, Australia are playing India at the Adelaide Oval, and Michael Clark is now captaining his country. Cricket Australia tried to find the balance between being respectful and over the top in their tribute. They had Hughes' test number 408 written on the field and on the shirts. Players wore special armbands with PH on them. They made Hughes the 13th man. Sadly, when you looked at his recent career, since the Lord's Ashes test of 2013, Hughes had kind of always been the 13th man, but now there was no other choice. The players stood to pay their respects. Cricketers from both sides were looking at the sky, and many of them looked completely upset. Virat Kohli, on the other hand, looked completely focused. It might have been a moving moment, but his mind was on something else. His first test as captain. And when Coley is focused, there is almost nothing else that can change that. The ground is filled with the voice of Richie Benno. You don't often hear Richie at the ground. He's a TV commentator. So coming from the speakers, it makes him sound even more like the voice of cricket. But there was a sadness even in that. It was a broken Richie emotionally. And he was older as well, sounding like he really never had before. It was kind of a relief when he finished. The sadness from every word he spoke was almost unbearable. And then what followed was 63 seconds of applause. The fans had been there for a long time. They turned up very early to that game. I think they were eager to pay their respects, to see what would happen next, to 
help Cricket heal or to use Cricket to help them heal. Strangely for Adelaide, most of them didn't head out to the back of the members to drink. They watched the game. Cricket Australia and the crowd played their part, but in truth, the game now needed to start healing itself. New Zealand and Pakistan had helped, but it was too removed from the moment. This was a test match in Adelaide, Hughes' new hometown, on his pitch, a test he could have played in. There it is, says Ian Healy on Channel 9. 19 balls. That's how long it took. There had been Yorker length, full length, length length, back of a length, and then nothing shorter than that, as if the pitch had an unofficial demarcation in it, the Phil Hughes respect zone, starting at roughly 63 inches from the batter. In some ways, this test match in Adelaide couldn't start until a bowler hit the middle of the pitch. There had to be a bouncer bowled, and it had to be aggressive and handled in a safe way. The rest was fidgeting. Mohamed Shami and Varun Aaron both started around the wicket and bowling very full, in some sort of premeditated, ordinary plan. It wasn't short, it wasn't intimidating, and it wasn't particularly good. After five legal balls and three Warner boundaries, Aaron stood mid-pitch the way bowlers do when the over won't end and the fielders are still collecting the ball. Fast Bowling 101 suggests that the next ball will definitely be a bouncer. Escape the over and let the batter know you're angry. But we didn't know at that moment if cricket would remain the same way. And when Varun Aaron flew in for the next ball, he bowled a back-of-the-length ball that was pushed safely into the covers for one. The following over, there were six more bowling plan balls from Shami, full and non-threatening. Then ball 19, around the wicket, quick, angled straight at Warner. Full enough to hit something, short enough to hit something precious. Warner was coming forward, he sees the ball late, and his head hurriedly drops His feet struggle for balance, the bat stays up, the ball flies over his right shoulder, Warner can't see it, and it lands in Ritterman Saha's glove. Safely from a cricket and life perspective. Ian Henley almost sounds excited at the bouncer, and the crowd oohs. They were caught by surprise as much as Warner was. And then they applaud. It's a long applause, not an ovation. It's not quite an ovation. No one seems to be standing. And it comes from every part of the ground, and it sounds pure. There's no idiots yelling, whistling, or booing. Just sustained applause for cricket, and a thank you to Varun Aaron for delivering their cricket back. Warner fidgets with his bat. Aaron steams back to the top of his mark. The crowd start chatting again. Replays are shown. This test has started. Varun Aaron follows up with another bouncer. Warner tries to smash this one. It could be Richardson to Trumper, Larwood to Bradman, Adcock to Sutcliffe, Lilly to Richards. It's just a bouncer, not even a good one. And at the same time, Sean Abbott is playing in a Shield game for New South Wales. The same man who delivered the fateful ball to Phil Hughes. Just a regulation bouncer, not even a good one, that happened to kill his friend. And a few minutes after Varun Aaron's delivery, Abbott bowls a bouncer in his fifth ball and it safely goes through to the keeper. It might sound silly, but up until that point, we didn't know if we were going to get our game back. It felt like something had changed. And Varun Aaron, and more importantly, Sean Abbott, let us know that cricket was still cricket, even if we had lost Phil Hughes. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 Network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. 
Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network.